and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. The Phoenix Suns are back in the playoffs, and we're giving you a chance to score the hottest ticket in town. Check this out. Suns playoff tickets are available. Just text the word TICKET to 411-923 to register. Listen for your name during the 7 a.m., 11 a.m., and 4 p.m. hours starting tomorrow for your chance to qualify for Game 1 tickets to see the Suns versus the Clippers. Want to win some of those tickets? Text TICKET. Ticket to 411-923. What are the keys to a healthy economy? I mean, just, and again, you don't have to be an economist. I'm asking you, as a citizen of this community, what makes this a great community? What makes Arizona a great state? Starting with its economy, I would say uh, diversity, meaning that we have got to have the availability of a bunch of jobs. We have learned our lesson, at least I think a lot of people have, even the great city of Detroit. When there was, when we saw the crash that happened in 08 and 09 and the automobile industry took a huge hit, Detroit went from being, if not the richest, one of the wealthiest zip codes um, in the country to bankruptcy. They were selling houses for the taxes that were owed. They were kind of myopic in what they were doing. Um, and that's not an absolute, but you know, they were narrow in what they did. Arizona, construction oriented, other places in what they do when there is something that happens in that industry, it damages the entire uh, economy of that community. So Arizona learned its lesson and they started to diversify its economy. Manufacturing is back. We now have tech industries that are here. We have become a chip hub, which, and with all due respect to Intel, which has been a solid piece of our economy forever, there's now more diversity and investment in that from other companies as well, which I think is going to build other industries. There are other parts to this as well. It is that, the opportunity for education, and that is where our friend Kristen Bentz always says a healthy economy, you're looking at beds and eds. When they're building hospitals and schools, you know you've got a pretty strong economy. Are we offering the diversity and educational opportunities? We've got Arizona State University here in town, and I'm going to talk about just in the Valley. I mean, no disrespect to NAU or U of A, although they have presence here. We're talking about where they're all located, but they are, they do have a presence here in the Valley, but You have got so many uh, options with Grand Canyon University, Arizona Christian University, and other institutions of higher learning. We also have the CTEDs, the Career Technical Education Districts, for high school kids and for adults and adult learning, where you can go and learn a skill. They used to be called just trade schools, the classic schools where you could be an electrician or a plumber. But they have diversified auto mechanics, diesel mechanics, coding in some places. But they've got a culinary school out at Evit in the East Valley. They've got a broadcasting school, cosmetology program, nursing. They've got so many different opportunities there for not only high school kids that want to be able to leave high school with credentials, but for adults that want to learn a skill set. So we've diversified that part of it. But also, how do we lift up people in our community that are in need? What are we doing? And I also think that's a valuable part of this. If we become a state, and I don't think we should, and I live in Phoenix, so I'm going to talk about Phoenix itself. If we become a city that decides the way we are going to combat people in need, and what I mean by combat them is combat the need, is we are going to lean on our city government and government programs, whether it's, you know, statewide or it's a federal program, SNAP, food assistance, WIC, whatever it is, I think we are failing. We will never catch up. We'll spend way too much money. We'll watch the problems get worse. That's not a knock against government. It's an acknowledgement 
that by nature it's inefficient. That's my opinion. I just got some statistics. Um, at the two main St. Mary's Food Bank locations, one in Phoenix at 31st Avenue and Thomas and the other location in Surprise in the West Valley, they have given out in uh, last week, they gave out um, food to 7,601 households in one week compared to 4,823 last year during the same week. That is a 58% increase in one year. So when you look at what's happening in the overall Arizona economy, and I talk about the good things all the time, we are also seeing an uptick in need because as home values go up, as fuel prices are going up again, we know that your power bills and your water bills are going up because it's costing municipalities and utilities more money to produce what you need, whether it's electricity or the water you use at your homes. It's costing them more money, so they're having to raise their rates. As prices continue to go up, wage increases are not keeping up. The inflation is eating up the increases in pay, and it's digging so deeply into the pockets of families that working families are hungry and you and this is my pitch is always about intentional giving i will say that till the day i die that when we give intentionally when we know because listen we all understand and i think it's a great thing thanksgiving we truly are more thankful and during that time of year thanksgiving through the new year we become nostalgic. I am one of them. I look at my blessings. I look at the year in review, but I look at it from the rose-colored glasses of saying I'm very blessed. I think we all understand our problems are real, but we could have it much worse. Um, for some people, it's taking advantage of the tax credits that are available so that they're giving toward the end of the year, especially giving of their time. There are many people that volunteer Thanksgiving and Christmas for the holidays to make sure that they're helping people in need. But what about April? What about May, June, July, August? And these organizations are saying, and, and we're seeing such an increase in need. The economy is booming. Um, we are seeing home values stabilized and continuing to increase. We are seeing a lot of good in the economy across the state of Arizona. And I think, again, when we're talking overall what makes a community great, that's one of the things. Those are the things that make a community great. The other piece of that is how we lift up those that are not benefiting from those great things. We are never going to wipe out hunger. We are never going to wipe out homelessness. But what are we doing to raise the standard of living for the people around us? When we look around and say, I am very thankful for how blessed I am. I work hard. I've earned what I have. But I realize I'm blessed. When I see these numbers, because everything I've talked about today is absolutely true, the crane count across the city of Phoenix, the great building that's happening here in the valley with schools and with hospitals, with, um, you know, I've talked about living, uh, I used to live in the Arcadia area, I moved recently, but I still have a place there. And when you drive up 32nd Street between Thomas and all the way to where 32nd Street dead ends into Lincoln, all the way up that corridor on 32nd Street are these beautiful, enormous apartment or condo complexes that are going in. The same thing is happening on 44th Street um, when you go up that corridor, that resort that's going in at 44th and Camelback. We are seeing immense growth, and we should all celebrate it. 
But the need, that need, we've jumped in one year just at St. Mary's Food Bank and giving out the emergency food boxes to 7,601 families in one week. 7,601 compared to 4,823 last year. So with all of that good comes some that's not so good. What is it that we're doing? What are you doing? What am I doing? And that means us as a community to lift up those people until they get to where they are self-sufficient again. That is the piece, the final piece in my mind that makes a community great. We are continuing to try to get ahead, but we're looking back to try to not leave people behind. And if we can accomplish that, if we can do that even on a small scale personally, I think we've accomplished a lot. So I just thought I'd bring it to everybody's attention. It's an interesting statistic. Coming up uh, in just a few moments, um, we talked with Clint Hickman. He is the chairman of the County Board of Supervisors about the printer investigation. We'll give you details and let you hear what the chairman had to say coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you spending some time as always. Uh, we had a very uh, comprehensive conversation, and I think a good one with Clint Hickman. Um, he's the chairman of the County Board of Supervisors in Maricopa County. I've known Clint for years. Uh, think the world of him and his family, Hickman Family Farms. But as a legislator, as a member of the County Board of Supervisors, they've always been willing to jump on and talk to us and face any issue. And we all understand what happened on Election Day in 2022 was a disaster in the minds of many. And they kind of fa- they, they, hit, they, they faced it head on. And I'm going to give them credit for that because it was a tough day in an atmosphere. Now, I will say this to you. It was not only a bad occurrence. It happened at the worst possible time when all eyes were on Arizona again. So what they did is they went to an outsider and said, you guys handle it. We don't want to know until the report's done. We And then we're going to release the report, warts and all, of whatever you come up with so the public knows. <clears throat> so I want to start there. This is Clint Hickman talking about public knowledge and transparency. We wanted a true independent report, you know, because everyone's going to say with the, with the amount of, of people speaking of the county jobbing things and, and other reports that maybe were suppressed. I wanted to make sure that the public uh, was able to see this. And I think that that is a big piece of this. Um, I don't think that the voters in Maricopa County got what they deserved on Election Day. I thought they deserved an easier process. But I can tell you from my conversations on the air and off the air with with, uh, Mr. Hickman and with other people involved in the Board of Supervisors, they feel the same way. So what happened, they can't change what happened, but they wanted to verify a couple of things. Was this intentional? And then what can we do to make sure it doesn't happen again? And – Justice McGregor, who was in charge of this report, found that there was no intentional wrongdoing. Now, there are going to be those that will never believe that, but you can't do anything about that. They're entitled to their beliefs. But for everybody else that's going to look at this, this would be one more person that Justice McGregor would have to be one more person in on the conspiracy if, in fact, there was a conspiracy to steal the election. That That's the pragmatic way to look at this. With everybody else involved, here's one more person brought in that has to go along with the lie for there to have been a conspiracy to steal the election. 
So um, this is where the, the this is Mr. Hickman talking about the initial problems. The, the printers had a problem with uh, going towards thicker paper, and also when we went to the twenty-inch ballot. So the thicker paper was in response to complaints of bleed through. So they went to the thicker paper, and the twenty-inch ballot was because in some places the there were so many candidates and issues on the ballot that you couldn't fit them all on a nineteen-inch ballot. We felt very strongly uh, for a lot of different reasons that we wanted to keep that ballot as one uh, front and back and there was a lot of races in one in one district uh, in one precinct area there was 87 races that had to appear on one piece of paper for both mail-in and uh, day of uh, printing so that that's basically what it found and uh, we had no idea so when you um, when you look at all, all of this as a whole, the big issue is, of course, Election Day. What happened here was a big issue. There are still major questions. There are still people. And, and in all fairness, I'm reaching out to people on the other side of this, and we're going to let them voice their opinions if they'll come on and talk about it. But um, as recently as a week or so ago, we understand that Carrie Lake is still talking about and believes that the election was stolen in, in Maricopa County. And, and, and let's just to talk about let's talk to that for just a moment. Let's do the what if game for a moment. If the election was stolen in Maricopa County, the entire state of Arizona suffers. And the reason why is because of the enormity of the size of Maricopa County. In comparison to the other you know, counties around us, it is enormous in its size. So it would be a horrible thing for the entire state if that were to happen. I have not been someone that has bought into the stolen election narrative, even though I am I align myself with many of those people on 90 percent of the issues many times. And it is that conspiratorial aspect of it. What I mean by that is the idea of how many individuals would have to be in on it and keep it secret for this to still be happening. And they continue to add people to it. Um, I don't know Justice McGregor. But I do know the special master that was hired. The special master's name is John Shattig. John Shattig is a former congressman. He was my congressman for a long time. And with all due respect to the members of Congress that I still know and I still admire, he was my favorite. Man, he was on top of it. I thought it was a guy that was destined for leadership if he wanted to stay in the House of Representatives. Uh, He's a brilliant attorney, lives here in the Valley, and uh, was asked by not only the County Board of Supervisors, he was agreed upon by the members of the Arizona State Senate as a person that was qualified to get to the bottom of whether or not there was cheating. And he and this was had a lot to do with the the integrity of the software and the machines. And they came back with their report and they said they found no evidence of any of that happening. And that still didn't satisfy many people. And he took a lot of heat for it. And I just to say at some point we have to look at this and say, all right, how many good people are we going to say are really bad people in order to make our story true? That's all I'm asking. I'm not ridiculing anyone. I'm not ripping anyone. I'm saying how many good people like John Shattig and now a Justice McGregor have to say these things that you don't agree with. How many of them have to be truly horrible people that got bought off and are truly bad people, not the good people we thought they were, before you say, well, that's just too many people. They can't all be in on this.
So we'll get to more of this before the show ends. Uh, coming up in just a moment, what do we know about the Louisville shooter? We're going to talk a little bit more about that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I can't forget when I'm in love anymore. I can't forget things will never be the same again. I can't forget how you made that so clear. I think it should be against the law to talk over Michael McDonald. This is one of the best songs ever. Um, thanks for being here. At the Cool Jazz Station, uh, we appreciate some time with you today. Um, the serious topic of what's happening, when you hear about these shooter incidents, every one of us are shocked. I think we're all shocked if we think about what happened in Nashville. Um, most of us have an, a protector instinct in us of any kind. Um, we may not be motivated like a firefighter or a cop or a, a troop or something you know, that's in our military to go out and find bad people or find dangerous situations. But we have a protective instinct in us, especially when it comes to children. If you see a child lost in a grocery store, your instinct is to protect that child and make sure they find a parent. I think that's something that's instinctive to us. So the idea that a human being could be so devoid of emotion that they would be able to aim a gun at a small child and pull the trigger is so foreign to us that it shakes us to our core. Um, and, and it does the same thing with adults, but especially small children. Um, so what happened in Nashville? What happened yesterday in Louisville? Um, they're so foreign to the to an average person. I keep wanting to use the word normal, but the average person's mind that we we just can't comprehend it. And part of this, and I want to have as much of a civil conversation as I can, because we continue to have this assault weapons ban idea that somehow it doesn't matter what type of weapon it is that you are going to. Um, Solve a problem. Let me explain in on a much bigger scale. Uh, recently, I think it was, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I don't know who the interview was with, but former President Bill Clinton was commenting on Ukraine and Russia, and the, he felt a bit responsible. Not, this is not a blame game. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make an illustration here. He felt a bit responsible because he was one of the people that convinced Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons. Or give up the idea of nuclear weapons. And um, if they had been able to keep those weapons, he doesn't believe that Russia would have invaded because of the mutually assured re uh, destruction principle when everybody is armed like that. And in that conversation and in that argument, he made what was a very good argument for the Second Amendment in America on a much smaller scale. And – you know, there's an old, I believe it's Golda Meir who was quoted as saying about Israel, if the Palestinians would put down their weapons, there would be peace. But if the Israelis were to put down their weapons, there would be no Israel. And 
there is something to be said about good people that are able to defend themselves and how necessary that is for peace. And that is at its core, this conversation about the president of the United States wanting to have the activists among us be able to sue a gun manufacturer to the point where they would go out of business as a way to circumvent the Second Amendment. And shut down these major gun manufacturers. And I I will just tell you that the issue for me is – is difficult because I hate these these shootings as much as anybody else hates them. I think they're horrible. I think they're horrifying. But we don't know anything about this guy. We know that he was a disgruntled employee who had been notified he was going to get fired. He's a college graduate going through a master's program, so there's a lot about what's happening here. I, I kind of went on this rant earlier about – Why are we not looking at the mental health of people? Because in the end, um, you have people using a firearm to commit crimes and people without firearms stop – or people with firearms, good people with firearms stopping them. And isn't that um, part of this whole conversation that – It isn't the firearm. It's the person that's holding it. The law enforcement's fast response to this, how quickly law enforcement um, reacted to this. Um, I want you to hear this. This is about the police response time in Louisville. Today, unfortunately, is a sad day within our city. At 838, there's a report of shots fired at Old National Bank. Officers were on scene within three minutes. We um, understand in this country that we have a major drug problem, and with that response, as much as we want to get rid of the fentanyl that we have in this country that is killing people, we understand that that is a daunting task, and doing what we can to stop this horrible drug and this, this addiction and overdose problem, we've responded with Narcan being made now as an over-the-counter drug. We now know that police cruisers are carrying Narcan. It's not just paramedics on an ambulance. That you can now buy it and keep it if there's somebody in your family, unfortunately, that's an addict. We are doing different things to address a crisis. We aren't doing anything to address this crisis. It is, it is you are either in favor of the Second Amendment as it stands and believing exactly what it says or – You are someone that's in favor of gun control, and you believe that's the solution. We are not exploring other solutions. As a matter of fact, we are here people make ridiculous statements that putting armed police officers in school is more guns in school, and more guns in school means more death. That is an absolute fantasy. It's just not true. The idea that we would say – and I want let's carry that over – Carry that over to this conversation. It, with that way of thinking, more guns that are protecting very high-level politicians, you know, the governor comes with a detail. The mayor comes with a detail many times. Um, there are people that have a detail with them if they are someone of high stature in our government to protect them in case there's an attack. Well, more guns means more death. That's what they say about schools. And many a times they say that, and if you go down to our our state's capital, you have to go through metal detectors, and there are armed police officers, troopers, that are down there guarding the capital. The same principle 
Well, they can't be everywhere all at once. They can't protect everybody. Oh, so we should just get rid of all of them. Let's get rid of the highway patrol troopers that are stationed at the state capitol. Does any of that make sense? It doesn't make sense to me. And I want solutions like you do, but we're not exploring any options. All we do the minute that something like this happens is fight about the Second Amendment. And I'm tired of being blamed for it. I'm not to blame for it. I don't bring up the argument. But I'm not going to back down from what I know is the right thing. And it's not angry. It's not any of those things. I want it to stop as much as anyone else does. Coming up in a moment, we're going to talk teacher retention. Queen Creek approves bonuses for teachers. What will that do for their issue? That's coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, of course, we're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about our conversation with Clint Hickman, the County Board of Supervisors chairman, in that report about the 2022 midterm elections. And we're also going to do Did You Hear This? But right now, let's talk a little bit about teacher retention and things that are big for us. Queen Creek uh, Board approves bonuses, a bonus plan for teachers. It is about money, but it's about other things. I've been talking to you about school safety recently and that teachers, and this is not in Queen Creek. This is out of Phoenix. Um, Teachers are concerned and they have a right to be concerned about school safety. It's another part of things. And I think when you talk about um, when you look, when you think about what unions are supposed to do, I'm not a big union supporter, although I will tell you a plea. That's the the, all the lees, the pleas, the glees, the cleas, the law. Enforcement associations do a very good job of the balance between making sure their members are protected and working with the city to do what's best for the cities they work in. Same with the firefighters union. So I don't have big issues there. But with some of the big labor unions, I'm just not a fan. I've always grown up in a right-to-work state. I'm not a big fan of them. But there is something – You enter into these negotiation agreements. They have these certified teachers associations, these CTAs. There is a questionnaire that was sent to me, and it was sent to me about school resource officers and a member survey in 2020 and 2021. Now, remember, the Phoenix Union High School District got rid of school resource officers. So we just talked about a bonus plan for teachers in Queen Creek. I think money is a big part of it, but it also has to do with campus safety. If teachers don't feel safe, just like anybody else, if you're in a workplace and you think that your bosses are creating an environment where you're not safe in the workplace, whether you're in construction and you're going to slip and fall, you're going to get hurt, whatever it is, you're not going to want to work in an unsafe environment. I want you to hear some of the results here. There's a question. Do you believe that SROs or school resource officers have a role on Phoenix Union campuses? Of the respondents, almost 81% said yes and 19% said no. Have you had an interaction with an SRO during your tenure in the district? 81% said yes, a little less than 19% said no. Have you witnessed any positive interaction between an SRO and students as a Phoenix on Phoenix Union campuses? 82.17. So over 82% said yes, they've witnessed positive interactions. Less than 18% said no. Let's go to the next set of questions. Uh, were you employed in the district prior to 2021? 92% said yes. Um, do you believe SROs have a role on campuses and then say 
same questions I just I told you about. My point is this. The political correctness that has permeated things in many people's minds have created an unsafe environment. You have not heard all of the stories. I've heard most of them. I don't know that I've heard all of them. There is a lot of times we've been talking about school safety and job safety. We've had a school shot up by an intruder in Nashville. We have had a workplace shot up by a disgruntled employee, or at least it appears he was a disgruntled employee in Louisville. And we are arguing about what to do about safety. The Phoenix Union High School District decided a couple of years ago the right thing to do was come up with their own safety plan without Phoenix police officers being on those campuses, armed police officers. Listen to the results of that that was done in 2020 and in 2021 where you saw well over 80 percent of the respondents. These are teachers in the district saying it was positive experiences. They have a role to play. They were completely ignored. And they went and decided to get rid of the cops on campuses. You don't think any of that plays a role in whether or not a teacher stays in a job or at least stays in that district? The narrative that this is just about money, that this is just about the evil Republicans, by the way, the ones that have given all the raises, uh, don't want to invest enough in schools, is a false narrative. This political narrative has – I'm just saying my – when I say colleagues, they're not colleagues because I'm not a journalist. The journalists in this town, if, if they want to investigate where this really is, let them investigate. I hear from teachers all the time. I'm not going at this blind. I am giving you my opinion. I'm not giving you a journalistic report on things. I'm telling you this is what I'm learning. This is my opinion based on the teachers I'm talking to. Recently, in the last few weeks, there's been multiple incidents where students, students have brought guns on campuses in the Phoenix Union High School District. At what point does that become a major narrative in news stories about campuses around town? And the silence is deafening from the school districts when they don't talk about it. You want to talk about teacher retention? Part of it is making sure your campuses are safe, that the good students that are sitting in their seats that are paying attention to that teacher, they don't have to feel fearful either to go to get a bathroom pass and go use the restroom, that learning can be the focus and not safety and survival. So congratulations to Queen Creek. I think, you know, paying teachers more, if that's the right thing to do, if you get a bonus plan to retain good teachers and give them incentive to be better teachers, terrific. But we need a more comprehensive approach to teacher retention. And pay attention to the people that are not necessarily on board with that comprehensive approach. You'd be surprised how they are the A, education experts, and B, tell you they're the only ones who care about teachers. I will tell you, that's a false narrative. That is a false narrative. Just after 11 o'clock, we're going to go back to talking about our economy. I mentioned something earlier in a statistic about hunger that is going to shock you. I'm going to do it again just after 11 o'clock. I want you to hear the numbers, the good of our economy and where we can do better. It's all coming up next.